Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Right, yes. Oh, I could have posted that comment here. I'm here. And I've got loads of questions, which is great. But don't let that stop you from um, asking questions live. Is the, I, I know I did this last time, but I didn't check that the audio. Is the audio working? Um, I had that note last time, didn't I? Hoping it's all we're all okay. Um, and the audio is oh, Misha, thank you. Takes me writing a note. Good. Okay, so the audio is working right. Right, loads of questions um, to get through here tonight. So I'm going to go for it. I'm going for it, and I've got it all. Ah, got it all on. I've got it. I've got it all on the. Uh, got that. Got that. But I got it all written down. I got it all covered. But feel free to ask a question as we go. No problem at all with that. So don't feel that you uh, you can't have too many questions in my book. Um, so because I don't know how long I'm going to talk about these questions. So I'm probably going to rattle through it and get through it in no time. And then wish that you have more questions. So there we go. So that's the question there. Number one. Question number one uh, goes to. Uh, autoimmune disease and uh, breast augmentation. Someone's asked uh, whether having an autoimmune disease could affect the chances of having breast augmentation surgery. That's the question. So, um, good question. Good question. Um, so, the thing about autoimmune diseases is, is that your uh, it's more the treatment of the autoimmune disease. So, an autoimmune disease is uh, your body attacking itself. So, uh, things like rheumatoid arthritis um sle um some forms of hepatitis and uh there's there's uh lots of diseases which is basically your body um attacks itself um and the treatment of autoimmune disease is to do immune to give you immune modifying drugs things like steroids and uh, immunosuppressants to suppress your immune system so it doesn't attack your body so much and it's really the treatment of the autoimmune disease that can cause problems because whilst your own immunosuppressants or steroids or steroid in itself is an immunosuppressant, anything that's dampening down your immune system means you have got a, uh, more chance of having wound healing problems and more chance of infection. So that is the reason this question is being asked because there is a problem because of um, autoimmune diseases and the treatment thereof. But it is not a, uh, what are they saying? Will it affect your chances? The answer to that is probably not. It's probably fine to have uh, breast augmentation, um, but it would depend on how bad your autoimmune disease is, how much medication you're on, how badly immunosuppressed you are. So really what we would do is we would liaise with the doctor who's looking after your autoimmune disease. And in fact, what you could do if you are worried is you could go and see your doctor who's looking after your autoimmune disease before you come and see us to ask them say look i'm thinking of having surgery do you think it's uh, wise or have i got a high risk of having infections because infections
infection is a really big problem, particularly because this is breast augmentation. So breast augmentation, we do worry about infection, breast augmentation. So we are worried about that. So um, it'd be a question of talking to your doctor. And the two questions really we need to ask are, is there anything we can do to make your condition better? So if you're having a flare up at the moment, if your disease is pretty bad and your steroids are quite high or your anti, anti um, um, your um, um, immune suppressant drugs are high, then um, maybe we say, look, I tell you what, you know, you're bad at the moment. So maybe let's leave it for six months or whatever until you're in a better place so that you're, you're on less immunosuppressants. Um, so that's the number one thing. Are you maximized? Are you optimal in your treatment of your immunosuppressants? And then the two thing is that once you are optimal, how badly immune or how immunosuppressed are you? And is balancing. It's a lot of balancing the risks versus the benefits of having surgery. So if you really, really want surgery and the risks aren't that bad because you're not that immunosuppressed, then maybe you'll go for it. But if you're not that bothered about having surgery, you think, well, it'd be nice to have surgery, but, you know, if it's going to have a high risk of infection, I'm not so sure anymore, and you're on a high doses of immunosuppressants, then it'd be more like saying, well, actually, you know what, I'll think I'll be okay and I'll, you know, wear special bras and things like that. So, yeah, balancing it up, really, and that will be done with, us and also your immunosuppressant doctor whoever's looking after your immunosuppression so you could ask them yourself or we would write to them once you come to the clinic to say look is this okay is there anything we need to do or change prior to her having a surgery so that's that one good all right by that one yeah laser scar removal right what we got here do you offer laser scar removal how successful is it how painful is it how many sessions do you need right no, don't offer laser scar removal. Um, so no, we don't offer laser scar removal. Thank you very much for the question. Um, don't offer, don't do laser at the clinic. Um, but I can, I can have a bash at answering the question. How successful is it? How painful is it? How many sessions do you need? Any sort of scar removal thing, I would be worried about the, using the term laser scar. Have I written? I mean, I have written laser scar removal. Well, the question said laser scar removal. Scar removal doesn't really you know we can't really remove scars whether it's with lasers or anything else but we can make scars better and to be honest with you the number one thing for scars to make scars better is time um time is the best thing really for scars massage i think helps moisturizing laser can help but you've got it with anything time you're looking at scar um uh, doing things with scars you are looking at targeting certain aspects of the scar and laser is really good if the scar's red so if you've got a red scar, it is really good at helping that redness to fade. So if the problem with your scar is redness, then it can help it to fade. Having said that, in my experience, a lot of scars fade anyway. So I would say to you, look, wait at least a year just to see how it's going. And if it's still quite red and you're, you know, thinking, oh, you know what, this isn't, it can take longer. But if you're thinking, oh, I really want to get this, you know, get less red quicker, then laser might be an option for you. Um, how successful is it? How painful is it? How many sessions? Mm, how successful well as i say if it's a red scar then it is successful at targeting the red so that's the problem it won't remove the scar but it'll make it less red but often time will do that as well uh, how painful i think it is a bit uncomfortable i don't really know sorry because i don't do it how many sessions i don't know i think it depends on how well it responds sorry i think these questions are probably better off someone who does laser scar removal because um i don't so i'm yeah i don't really know the answers to those ones but yeah but broadly speaking it's for the redness of the scar you see, Tracy, if you've got a question, ask it because I'm cracking through these. Oh, my goodness me. I'm going to make a big deal about having loads of questions today. 
Anyway, here we go. Twilight for a rhinoplasty. Do you do a slight allergy and is afraid of having an anaesthetic? Okay, fair enough. Uh, again, I do not do well today. I don't do rhinoplasty, um, but I'll answer the question. Um, so the question, uh, can you have twilight? Yes, you can. It's amazing what you can do under twilight anaesthesia. Um, and you can do a rhinoplasty under twilight anaesthesia. Twilight anaesthesia means uh, local anaesthetic sedation. So you're not purely awake. You are sedated. You are like, you know, drowsy or asleep, or but you haven't got a tube breathing. You haven't got a machine breathing for you. For you, you're breathing for yourself. So it can be done. I would say it's quite. Here we go. Steph's in. Boom. Um, I would say that it is quite a big thing to have um, uh, a twilight anaesthetic for rhinoplasty. I'd say that's quite a big deal. Because with rhinoplasty, there is a bit of bony work to do. There's a little bit of bones down the side of your nose and your hump, and there's a bit of hammering and chiseling, you know, and <laughs> it's like that. Um, bit of tap, tap, tap. So I would say it's a little bit uncomfortable, but, you know, it can be done. And really, the whole thing with twilight anesthesia, what in, for, for me anyway, I don't really push it on patients, um, but I think it's a good option, and, and I think people, it's, it's good that it's out there. And it's really good for people who are uh, committed for it. And, and if they, this patient has got uh, allergies, I think she's saying. So there's a reason that you don't uh, ha um, can't have an anesthetic or really, really don't want an anesthetic. I think twilight anesthesia is really good. Uh, but the patient has to be committed because you can often find lit, lit, um, you can often find um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the questions while I'm doing it. Can't often find what? Yeah. Patients gotta be um, oh my god, that's the question. Patients gotta be committed to it. That's twilight anesthesia. What is going on? Right, Steph, you're banging out some questions so big up yourself. Rachel, don't worry. Rachel's saying I've logged in too late. I missed the question about neck versus lipo le neck lift lipo thing. You haven't missed it, Rachel. It's on the list. It's on the list. Calm down, calm down. Right um where are we i'm gonna do this one now steph's steph's um beauty beauty steph loving it hypertrophic scarring any solutions wish i did steph wish i did well i have actually actually i have <laughs> yeah i've got solutions so i don't know why i said wish i did so um yes steph solution one so basically you've got a spectrum you've got a normal scar which is flat and uh white and you've got a, a keloid scar, which is red and raised and bigger than the original scar. And there's a spectrum in between that. And in the middle, oh, <laughs> knows each other. Um, in the middle of that is hypertrophic scar. Hypertrophic scars on a, on a spectrum between a normal scar and a keloid scar. And, um, they're basically hypertrophic scars are red raised scars. Slightly different to keloid scars. The main difference is the keloid scars are usually much bigger than the original scar, whereas a hypertrophic scar stays within the boundaries of the original scar. Also, hypertrophic scar is also due to a problem. And so if there's a problem with delayed wound healing or, um, or infection or something like that, the, the wound takes a long time to heal. That could be a reason for hypertrophic scar. A keloid scar is something that just happens to some people. There can be no problems with the wound healing. It's just the way their body heals. And a hypertrophic scar is better than a keloid scar in terms of the prognosis, in terms of how it's going to go. Hypertrophic scars are usually self-limiting in that after about 18 months or so, they tend to settle down and become less red and less raised. Keloid scars don't, unfortunately. Keloid scars can be a real problem. 
but the question which was any solutions um i've got to not lose sight of all this jeez um and what question was i on there i was on the twilight wasn't i yeah so any solutions for hypertrophic scarring so there's a few things you can do for hypertrophic scarring a bit like normal scarring the best thing you can do is wait time is good time is good for all scars massage is good pressure is good depends on where it is as to whether pressure is a goer so um you know uh that's why you'll see people who have got a everyone's <laughs> here um that's why you see people who've got a lot of burns and things with these pressure garments so um it is difficult to get pressure to people with burns on their face with hypertrophic scar on the faces where these masks which sort of give pressure um but you know if you've got it on the belt and line or a bra strap you can put pressure with your bra strap and your belt um a bit more difficult on the face on the ear we can make custom made clips which is basically like a clip on earring to, to give pressure um just manual pressure you know rubbing it massaging it. i think massage can help um, moisturizing can help with a moisturizing cream um those are the sort of simple things that can help then you get into sort of more advanced which is things like silicone silicone comes as either a gel or a sheet and that can help with hypertrophic scars a lot of people market it as good for normal scars it's really the evidence is really for hypertrophic scars where it's really good silicone i think we do silicone at the clinic um we do the gel stuff um but you can get it in sheets as well i don't know might do the gel sheets as well um i don't think so i think we just do the gel anyway um whatever so silicone sheets and, and gel can be good you can't really do silicone and massage so you have to do one or the other because if you massage it with the silicone on you just rub the silicone off um then you get into stuff more invasive stuff like steroid injections you can inject steroid into the scar i'm pointing there wherever the scar is um a bit more invasive that and there's complications you can cause ulceration you can cause little dents where the if the steroid gets into the fat um and then again even more invasive you can cut the scar out a lot of people think why don't you just cut it out and stitch it up well there's a risk that it can go hypertrophic again if there's a good reason for it being hypertrophic in the first place or if there's infection or something you'd be more inclined to do excision of it but if there's no good reason for it and it's just become hypertrophic you'd be a bit worried about cutting it out and stitching it up because it just comes hypertrophic again because you think well it's your body's reaction to the to the scar your body's scarring too much so that's called intralesional excision. You often combine that with steroid injections and or pressure with these custom-made pressure clips if, that, if it's in an area where that's possible. Uh, and then you can get into stuff like radiotherapy and things, but that's really hardcore for really bad ones. So bottom line, time is the main thing. Moisturize and massage, those are the easy ones. Pressure if it's possible. And then you can get into stuff like silicone and uh, steroid injections if it's, if it's not responding to those things. So there you go so rachel you haven't you haven't missed the question because it's hit on my list here uh steph has gone in with another uh what are the best implants to use have you ever used nagor thoughts i use loads of nagor um yep uh you know what steph i would be worried about anyone who tells you who the what the best implants are i always say look there's there's some really good companies really big companies and um you know going to these meetings coming up in the next few months and they're all there with their stands trying to tell you that there's the best um there isn't one bet anytime there's loads there's no one best you know it's not like there's one best if there's one best we'd all use it so they're just different and to be honest with you i think that as long as you go with one of the big manufacturers like nagor allegan um mentor um polytech these are the big companies 
and there's a few big companies in the world and i think um, they all do good implants and there's not a lot of much to, to choose between them a lot of the choice comes between warranty certainly when it comes to polyurethane implants there's only one company so that's good that's polytech uh, but when it comes to silicone implants there's loads i use a lot of nagor and uh, if someone says I don't have any preference for implant, I will probably use Nagor because I'm used to using Nagor. I'm familiar with the range. I've used them for many years. But if someone says, look, I really want mentor implants or I want Allergan implants, I'll be like, fine, you can have those implants. That's absolutely fine. No problem at all. People who say that this is the best implants, I would worry that that's the only implants they can use or they've got to deal with the manufacturer that they have to use that one. So they're saying, oh, you've got to use these ones that are the best. Um, has this camera moved? Is it me? Um, um so yeah what was the question what are the best implants so yeah nagel allegan mentor um polytech all good um just big come you know look at for the big companies a lot of people say they want fda approved that's sort of mentor and uh allegan or fda approved there's also cientra uh, which we don't have in this country or fda approved so that's that's in america some people say they want fda approved ones for me i've got a strong view about it because the fda is the american thing and I, I think the FDA have actually narrowed down the implants they can use in America, and they, they're, um, they're mean, meaning that they can't use the same range that we can. Now, you might think that's good that they've narrowed it down. And some people say they want uh, FDA approved, which is fine. I'm not really tied to any implant manufacturer, fortunately. So, you know, I can use anything I want. So I can, um, I can, you know, use whatever. So we can go over what's what's what uh Gemma's banging in here with a question hey as a plastic surgeon how is it best to, for a patient to communicate their disappointment in their surgical result whoa um as a plastic surgeon how is it best as a pa yeah as uh, asking me i'm the plastic surgeon right yeah so asking the plastic surgeon how it's best for the patient to communicate just to clear that up that's yeah um, um yeah, tough. What I would say is it's tough all around, you know, and one of the things that I struggle with this job is um, the fact that it is very patient, um, patient centric is the result. And so you can do what you think is a good result or in fact, what you think, I say you as in me, is a good result or a bad result. And the patient can be happy or sad, you know, they can be happy with a bad result and sad with a good result. So it's all about what the patient feels. So I would say is, look, first of all, I would say to you, um, the surgeon will be, um, uh, there's an image that surgeons are all a bit aloof and don't care and, you know, just move on with the next one. But in my experience, we, you know, it's quite a personal thing doing surgery and the surgeon will be personally involved and has taken, you know, when we operate on people, we take them on as, you know, as a um, commitment sort of thing um, so they will be wanting to make things right and make you happy so I think it is important to communicate your disappointment with the result because I think a lot of people think I don't want to sort of you know say anything because I don't want to upset him or well I don't know I don't know if this is true but I would imagine maybe some people would be like you know I don't want to you know upset him or I don't want to you know and say, oh it's all fine and then go away and think oh it's rubbish he's not very good because it wasn't very good it's sort of rather I, I would sort of you know not in a bad way you don't have to be unfriendly about it you can stay friends but um just say look you know what it's not the sort of size I was after or the scars a bit not right or you know whatever the result is um so I think it is good to say, I think it is good to talk for you and for him or her, as in the surgeon, um, because uh, for two things. First of all, I think it helps you 
because I think a problem shared is a problem to have. And if, once you've said it, I think you'll feel better for saying it. Um, it may be there's nothing can be, to be done. It may be, look, that's it. You know, that's what it is. You, you know, that's, I'm really sorry. That's, 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 that's it. Um, but it may be that it's going to, that this sort of thing is going to settle. Scars a bit red. Oh, don't worry. It'll settle. It might take a year because a lot of people come at six months and scars will be red. They think, what? Scars will be red at six months? Surely that's, you know, that's it forever. I'm like, no, it's good still, you know, don't, don't write it off. You know, in their mind, they've written it off and they're like, oh, it's a terrible result and all this. It can take 12, 18 months for things to settle, whether it be the redness of the scar or other stuff. So it might be that things will settle. It might be that they might be able to fix it. They might be able to do some little thing, you know, a bit of liposuction or a bit of scar revision or something, something to make it better. And to be honest with you, I'd rather do that than have an unhappy patient. If I can do some little thing like, and I think most of us are like, you know, if we do a little tweak or a little thing to make it you into a happy patient, I'd rather that than you go away saying I'm happy, but in your mind you're not happy um, just because you don't want to upset the surgeon or whatever, you know? Um because I think it's a personal thing. It's your body. It's the rest of your life. You've got to walk around with your body for the rest of your life. And so you've got to, you know, get it right, really, or as right as you can. As I say, you might not be able to make it better, but um, I think it's good to verbalize it, to say it. Don't worry. We are used to people saying things. Um, and, you know, and certainly in the immediate post-op period, people say all sorts of things. I'm always like, yeah, I take it on board. That one's bigger than that one or that nipple's there and that nipple's there. Let it settle because things often take time to settle. But it's better to get it out there and say it. And then I say, let it settle. And then we have a look at it again in three months and, you know, and, and just review it. Then not saying it and just secretly thinking, oh, I'm not very happy with that um, because that's not good for you or for the surgeon. We all want patients to be happy with the results. We're all after good results. Um, both as surgeons and as obviously as patients. So um, is that helpful? So uh, Gemma, just talk to your surgeon, I think. Um, talk to your surgeon and um, and that's the best thing. Oh, thanks, Natalie. That's kind, kind comments there, right? So um, what we got now as a plastic surgeon, I've done that one. Gemma, um, trait. Am I on Tracy? I'm going to go on my list at the moment because I know we've got Rachel in the house waiting for her question. After having two nipple reconstructions, both went flat after six and a half. What's your thoughts on nipple sharing or any other ideas? Um, right. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, thank you, Gemma. And I'm, I'm sorry to hear that you're, I'm assuming you're not happy, um, but I would say talk to your surgeon and don't worry about talking to them and they will hopefully help you. Um, Tracy, that is an excellent question, and I salute you for asking that question. Two nipple reconstructions, both flat. This is a problem with nipple reconstructions, Tracy. Um, what's your thoughts on nipple sharing or any other ideas? My first idea is that that is a problem with nipple reconstructions. They, you're making a 3D thing. You're making something that sticks out, and the body wants to find the part of the scars will always contract, and the path of least resistance is a flat line. So making a thing that sticks out is difficult, and nipple reconstructions will all, always will often uh get smaller so when people say oh when you do a nipple reconstruction say oh my god look at that it's too big you're crazy man what are you doing to me you never worry about them being too big it's a lot it's easy to make them smaller but it's really hard to make them bigger and as you've found you often need to redo it because you've had it twice um and so my feeling about nipple sharing is that it depends on what your other nipples like if your other nipples too big then it's a good option if you're happy with your other nipple i always worry a bit about messing up your good nipple 
And I know what you mean. You want well. I know people want symmetry, and they'd rather be symmetrical. But you don't want to make your good nipple flat. You know, then you have both. If the nipple share doesn't, because you take it as it goes over as a graft. If the graft doesn't take, and it's not quite as good as you'd like, then you've, you know. So my view about nipple sharing is it's good if you feel that you're a contralateral nipple, your good, your non-operated on nipple is um, too big, then it's a good option. But if you don't feel that it's too big, I don't think it's great. It is also good if you've had your areola reconstruction. So if you're having a two-stage nipple reconstruction with a bit that sticks out being the nipple and then tattooing around the outside and it flattens off, if you've already had the tattooing, if you then have another nipple reconstruction, that'll mess up the circle of the um tattoo of the areola reconstruction so a nipple share is good because it just put it just places in the middle whereas another nipple reconstruction would mean that that circle would not be a circle anymore and you'd have to do redo your nipple uh your areola tattoo so yeah the other thing is they can do this when they do tattooing they can tattoo it to shade it to make it look like it's 3d that's another option if you have um failed um nipple reconstruction and the other option don't lose sight of it don't shoot me prosthetic nipple cosmetically they're brilliant they make a mold of your good of your good nipple and they make a silicone plastic um prosthetic nipple just putting it out there you know that's that is a that is an option it's an option um so i hope that's helpful natalie's giving me some big ups and will only give you what is best for your body frame natalie thank you very much i do make a thing about that i do try and do that um best surgeon ever although i need to come back and see you <laughs> best surgeon ever or i need to come back and redo it all <laughs> well thanks jay and come back and see me anytime uh, doors always open thank you for that um bona sera to anna uh what are we on we've done twilight haven't we what is a seroma look at this it's a good one today isn't it i'll tell you what these are getting traction i'll say that next week there'll be nothing but anyway enjoy it while it lasts um oh, look at that we've got a big one here eva i'm going to get to yours we'll do the seroma seroma question is what is the seroma and what is the cure um a seroma is a collection of wound fluid when you uh, make a cut when you have a graze you know if you have a graze you know if you fall off your bike and you have a graze do you know that sort of um yellowy straw colored fluid that, that that comes on the graze and then it gets all crusty and forms a scab you know that yellow stuff? That sort of looks a bit like urine, to be honest. It's watery, sort of yellow. Uh, that's serous fluid. That's wound fluid. And when you do a surgery inside the body, you get the same um, you get the same thing happening with uh, with the wound fluid. And um, when you have to do surgery with a space, the seroma is a problem. So the big areas are like, for instance, when you're doing a breast reconstruction, you're taking tissue from the back, you take a big muscle from the back and put it around to the front. Um, then uh, there's a space where that muscle was and that can fill up with fluid seroma. When you do a tummy tuck, you get a big space because you have to undermine all the way up to the rib cage. There's a big space there and that can fill up with fluid. Um, so those sort of areas, well, to be honest, the back, back flap is really, really big one. Um, tummy tuck less so, but anyway, so it's a wound, it's flu, fluid collecting in the wound. Is it, is it me? Is it, is this turning this camera? Is it? Um, I'm, not, I'm getting being pushed out, being pushed to the side. Um, so that is what a seroma is. Uh, a seroma is fluid uh, in that space, and it's wound fluid, it's normal fluid, and it just collects. 
and collects and you always get a bit of wound go a bit of seroma so if you have to go into a surgery if you have to do a breast implant if you go in a few days after there'll always be a bit of fluid in the cavity uh, but a seroma is when it's simple it's, it's, tr it's troublesome so there's a lot of fluid in there so it's where there's big spaces like for instance the breast and the back so what is the cure the cure is to leave it alone and not do anything it'll get better on its own if it's symptomatic if it's a problem if it's sloshing about it's a real nuisance it's fairly easy to fix you just put a needle in and you drain it off Something can be done as an outpatient procedure. You don't have to have a surgery, you know, go to the theatre or anything like that. Just do it. Often, if you had something like a tummy tuck or a back flap, often the skin is a bit, feels a bit numb. So putting the needle in isn't too bad, but, you know, you might feel, feel that, the needle going in, but then you just draw off the fluid. The problem is you leave the space behind and then um, it can recur. So you might have to have it done, so redone. So seromas sometimes have to be repeated. Seroma drainage have to be repeated. In the old days, they used to inject stuff in to try and it down again we don't do that anymore um oh here we go well maybe not well Gemma's got something to say because I'll just call the corner of my eye we don't tend to do that anymore I'm going to read Gemma's question in a minute um so uh but yeah but it, but drainage is usually the best thing but uh what's if you, if you have a seroma and it has been drained several times and eventually the body reabsorb it, but not before it stretched the TT incision. Would you expect to perform a revision on the area? So the best is that it was the and that was no excess skin. <sighs> Gemma, you know what? Uh, right. Number one, when you've got a seroma, the thing is to try and get, get on top of the seroma. So, you know, whether you, um, uh, the body does resorb it and things to be honest with you, for me, this is just me. This is the problem with this. It's just me. You know, it's my view, my opinion. My opinion is that if you're unhappy with the aesthetic result, uh, Gemma, whether it's due to its aroma or whether it's due to not enough skins taken, you know, when you do it, you know, I need to stand up for the plastic surgeons here, you know, because this stuff is quite hard, all this, you know, well, surgery. Forget plastic. Surgery's hard. Um, you don't want anyone to not have a good result. Everyone's doing, well, was everyone doing any job really you know baker butcher anyway getting getting beyond the remit i'm going off piece here but anyway we're trying to do a good job is the what i'm trying to say and so when you do for instance when you do a tummy tuck a lot of surgery a lot of plastic surgery and body contouring surgery you try to make things as tight as you possibly can because you want that patient to say oh i'm fantastic i've a really tight tummy and the complications or one of the complications is i you either take away too much or you take away too little if you take away too much skin and make it really, really tight, the wound breaks down. Get wound dehiscent problems, wound healing problems, nightmare. No one plans to do that. We plan to take out the exact right amount of skin. But unfortunately, medicine is not a precise science. And you can take out too much skin and have wound healing problems. If you take away too little skin, you can get redundant skin like you're talking about. It might. I'm not saying it's because you had too little skin taken out, because it might be that skin is stretched by the seroma. Have to be a pretty big seroma to stretch the skin, to be honest with you, because it's not normally there for that long, because it usually a prolonged stretch of the skin to cause a significant problem, which would have an aesthetic uh, um, consequence. But nevertheless, whatever the result is, whether it's due to the seroma or whether it's due to the fact that you know that maybe more skin could have taken out, if you're unhappy. Um, you're asking me a question. Would you expect to perform a revision on the area so the best aesthetic result is achieved and there was no aesthetic skin? Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, I would just uh, back what I said before. I would want, if you're not happy, I, I, I don't think you're, <laughs> if you are my patient, definitely I'll do it, but I don't think you're my patient. But if you were and you're not happy with the result and I can make it better by taking a bit of skin, I would say to you, you can have a fresh scar, you know, give it time. 
it time to recoil you give it a few months this is a slightly perverse thing so you have to give it a few months for everything to settle and see how much that skin is going to recoil um but if it doesn't recoil then we could all you know it, it could be done but again you'd have to weigh out the pros and cons you have a fresh scar you know because by definition i've just said you've got to give it time now you get a fresh scar again which might take another year for it to settle and there'd be result there'd be potential complications because if you don't take away too if don't, don't take away enough skin there might still be some redundant skin or if you take away too much this time then um you could get wound healing problems plus your belly button it'll probably pull your belly button down a bit if you take away a bit more skin so there's you know there's risks with taking away more skin but if you're unhappy and you talk to your surgeon about those risks i think it would not be unreasonable but i don't know what people are like i i'm I'm feeling that you're being told that this is not a revision i'm getting i'm getting that mm, getting that vibe might be wrong but yeah i would you know i would if if that would make you feel more comfortable and if i could you know so if it's a goer um what we got here natalie i remember i wanted big ones but with the 32 back it would have looked stupid natalie that is the quote of the day i don't know if this is turning around you're absolutely right you've got to you know you might want big ones but if you frame some people with a frame can take big ones but other people with a frame can't you know you've got to be careful you've got to look at your frame your dimensions um Right, Eva, I had a rhinoplasty done three and a half months ago, building a bridge of the tip using grafting cartridge, cartridge, I think, from my ear. Um, how long would you say the healing process takes before I can see the final result? It looks like a potato stroke baby nose at the moment. Potato stroke baby nose. Right, Eva, I've got to say, rhinoplasty is not my bag. I've got a, a disclaimer. All right, I should have a disclaimer down the bottom. I should have a disclaimer for this whole thing. Really, it's just my opinion. This is just my opinion, everyone. By the way, I, nothing I say here has got any basis of fact. Um, it's all based on one man's uh, opinion. So, uh, yeah, rhinoplasty is uh, rhinoplasty is you know there are specialist areas in plastic surgery. So it moved. It moved. Then didn't it move? Did it move? Um, rhinoplasty is a specialist area of plastic surgery um and i don't do it um <clears throat> because i think you need to do it it needs to be done by people who do it a lot which is not me so that's my disclaimer um three and a half months ago gotta say eva three and a half months ago is not a long time in surgery you've had a lot of work there um and the results of sign of uh, rhinoplasty a very subtle change can make a dramatic difference to your nose so you might feel that it's very bulbous and potato or, or whatever and just a little bit of swelling goes down and you know it can dramatically transform the look and the shape of the nose so i would say number one go work closely with your surgeon don't listen to me what do i know who am i you know talk to your surgeon your surgeon's your your first port of call because they know exactly what they've been done and they'd be able to tell you about you know how things will go but in my experience i would say to you three and a half months is really early i normally say to every patient having any operation that things start to settle around three months but certainly something like that where you've had such a lot of work on your nose there's been quite a lot of swelling there and i say look things will only really be starting now you're looking at six 12 18 months for things to really properly settle um so i would not be too down at this point uh, and, and the other and as i say with rhinoplasty things can look quite strange a little bit of swelling goes down they get transformed so you can have dramatic changes right with, with just a little bit of swelling a little bit of here and there 
um, subtle changes with the structure of the nose can make quite, quite dramatic changes to the whole facial aesthetic. So do not be too downhearted either. Work closely with your surgeon. Talk, as I was saying to Gemma, talk to your surgeon. If you're disappointed, you think it looks bad, talk to your surgeon. You know, they want you to be happy and um, and hopefully they will, you know, help walk with you hand in hand, get you through it, because that's what a lot of this is about, getting people through it. You know, I, I get, you know, I get this a lot, a lot of times when you first do surgery, it's not how it's going to look in the end. And it's all about getting people through it with the, you know, we go together. You know, so it's fine to say I'm not happy and it's a bit bulbous and it's a bit this. Let's get you through it. And it may be that nothing needs to be done. It may be perfect. In a year, you'll be happy, but you'd be much happier if you've done that going with the surgeon rather than quietly being worried about it for, you know, six months or a year. Um, and then it's all right in the end. Um It did move. It did move, didn't it? I think it's on it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> right. Um, this is good. I tell you, this is this is. The, I, I might just do this uh, for a job. What do you think? Do not do that. Do this because this is. I mean, we're going great guns here. Let's keep it. Keep up the the um, momentum, guys. Keep it up. I need some motivational music. Right. Question. Next. How long after? Rate. I could do yours, Rachel, but I've got one in before you. Sorry, I hope you're still there. You might have gone. Wouldn't blame you. But I've just got, I mean, I don't know, no, no particular order here, but this is how long after breastfeeding um, should you wait before going ahead with breast surgery? So um, good question. Um, like it. I like that question a lot. Um, so really, you have to let your breast settle. So your breast is sort of stretched with having pregnancy and being gorged and all that breastfeeding. And then you stop breastfeeding and then it goes down. So it does settle. So the shape, the shape does change. Now, you might say, um, you might say that um, the um, I know that even when it goes down, it's going to still be too small. And I still want implants to so get it on with it. But the shape might change. My breast might be seeing a bit lower and that might change the shape of the implant that you have. So I would say the minimum is six months, ideally a year. I really think a year is good for uh, after after breastfeeding for two reasons number one reason is the shape changes as i say and you really want to have your stable shape before you make a decision on size and shape of implant um but you might say six months it's not going to change anymore i know it's going to be like this forever um but the other thing is you've got a six month old child if you do it at six months whereas if you do it a year you've got a year old child so you know you want to have a child that um is a bit more mobile it's a bit more easier to manage so for me a year is good but i understand that might sound like a long time um, and so, um, and so I would say, you know, maybe come to clinic at six months, we can talk about it and then book it for a few months, you know, say a few months and, all and see you three months afterwards and then book it for, uh, as I say, a year's, anyway, that's the answer, a year's probably best. Um, it did move, Rachel's still here, Rachel, I'm going straight to you, but apart, thanks for telling me, yes, my surgeons did told me at my post consultation it may take up to 18 months, yeah, yeah. So either they're not lying to you. I think that's reasonable with a tummy, uh, with a rhinoplasty. It is reasonable to wait that time. Um, oh, Joanna, good question. But let's do this. Uh, where are we? We are. Um, well, hopefully, I'm quiet. We've got low. Right, let, we're doing this. Light body type. I'd ask about. 
I'd like to ask about liposuction on the neck, body type liposuction versus lower facelift. Also, how young is too young to have lower facelift? <sighs> Again, I've got to say, I'm really sorry. <laughs> it's not my thing. So disclaimer, I don't do neck liposuction. I don't do facelifts anymore. I don't really do any sort of facial work. I do moles and cysts and stuff. I do split earlobes, but I don't really do... Um, I don't really do much of them anymore, actually, but um, I mainly do breast and body um, contouring. So I don't really do facial aesthetic surgery. So that's the, um, but I can still, I'll give it a go. I'll have a bash. Um, the good question. Now, this is a bit of a worry. The last bit, how young? Does this mean you're young? If you're young, you have to have a facelift for if you're young. Um, so the difference of this, and this, this is similar sort of facelift and liposuction and neck lifts and, and, and what have you, um, is a similar sort of principle to other sort of body contouring surgery. Because what happens is when we get older, um, when we get acted on by gravity, our face goes like this. You know, children are like that, and we were like that, and we want to look back like children. And the things that do it are gravity, again, putting on weight and losing weight. When you put on weight, everything stretches, and you lose weight, it goes down smoking so if you smoke you know stop smoking oh 41 okay um young young what are you talking about um um smoking things like that so all these things are bad for the um skin and bad for the elasticity of the skin um and what happens is you lose skin elasticity um liposuction is good because uh, the scarring is very minimal uh, and it's not quite so invasive uh, 41 is young what are you talking about rachel 41 is young <laughs> life has just begun um so liposuction is good because the incisions are small the problem with liposuction and um is the skin good carry on not smoking rachel good the problem with liposuction is the skin. It doesn't do anything to the skin. Now, there are types of liposuction, like body tight and all. There's lots of different types of liposuction that do report to for, give some degree of skin retraction. And so it might be a goer. Again, you'd have to talk to someone who does this sort of thing because it is often quite subtle. It's good because the results are quite subtle. Um, Sorry, it's good because the, the um, scarring is much less, but the results are subtle. And it's a spectrum. I did a blog post about this ages ago about people who want the mini mini tummy tuck and mini facelift or liposuction rather than a tummy tuck or liposuction rather than a facelift. Totally understand it. Or like Sandra's just come in. Sandra, thank you. Can you do liposuction without cutting? Yes, you can. So there are minimal. There is. Oh, sorry. Oh, God. What have I done? um what have i done so there are um a spectrum of stuff and at one end of the spectrum there's the cutting stuff the tummy tucks the neck lifts and the other sort of things which is scars and cuts and you think oh, flipping out i don't want scars don't want downtime you know healing wound complications all these sorts of things we're talking about and then you've got in the middle you've got things like liposuction which you've just got little um stab incisions and then you've also got non-surgical liposuction where you um, don't even make a um, 
make a make a cut at all, which is liposculpture, they call it, or whatever other people call liposculpture, liposculpture. But anyway, um, these are things where you use some kind of energy, and there's all sorts of different names and different types, um, some kind of different uh, energy to um, destroy the fat, whether it be uh, cooling energy, the cool sculpting, or whether it be the radio frequency, uh, Vela shape and um, vanquish, and there's all sorts of, of, of things which don't form any cuts at all, no surgery at all. You just go to a, a clinic and you don't have any anaesthetic often. You just, you know, there and then you get it done. And the problem with it all is that the less cuts and the less downtime and the less complications you have, the less of a result you have. The more cuts, the more downtime, the more complications, probably the more cost as well, the more of a result you get. So that's it. That's the bottom line. You can have liposuction. You can have non-surgical procedures, um, but it's going to give you less of a result than a surgical procedure like a lower facelift. I think at 41, you're too young, I would imagine. Um, but it's really you need to, uh, for, to, you know, to think about things like facelift. But um but if you've got a specific problem, then maybe things can be done at a specific area, maybe the neck, there's some, some skin tightening that could be done. Um, but really, I think, uh, but if it's only mild, then it might be worth looking at the non-surgical procedures to see if they are the ones to go for uh, in the first instance. The problem as I see it, and this is one of the problems I've got, I'm, I'm whispering on a bit, sorry, with my clinic, because I've got my own clinic and I um, these sort of non-surgical um, stuff is real is a real thing for my clinic um, but I haven't got any there because it's quite expensive that's the problem you know I think the problem is it's all very well saying it's no downtime and no um, complications I'll, I'll have it then but it's quite expensive and I think if it's quite expensive and you've got only a really sort of marginal subtle result I worry that you might have an unhappy patient so that's the thing that worries me um, I worry that will be unhappy because it costs a lot of money but the downtime it's, it's there's no harm often in just trying the non-surgical ones where well, you've got to speak to the people who do the non-surgical ones to check there's no harm because there might be some complications potentially with it but there's certainly nothing like the complications you can get when you do facelifts and uh, the surgical procedures um so you know it's often a good thing to try but it's expensive so mm, no <laughs> No easy answers there. No easy answers there. Now we got what we got going on down here. We've got some questions here. We've got Joanna. Is it ever possible to get good results from a tummy tuck without FDL if you have some loose skin above the belly? Well, God, Joanna, what are you talking about? Joanna, when did you give this question? I hope you're still there. Of course it is. Of course it is. FDL viewers is a fleur de lis, um, which is like a tummy tuck, which gives you a straight line down the middle and also one. Um, of course it is, Joanna. Who have you been talking to? Um, I mean, everyone's different. All surgeons are different. You know what? I don't, I don't particularly like the fleur de lis. I don't like the scar it gives. It's scar straight up and down the tummy. Fleur de, a tummy tuck really uh, takes the tissue out in an up and down direction. A fleur de lis is really good at taking it in the up and down direction, but also the side to side direction. So a fleur de lis does remove more skin causes more oh Joanna's still with so causes more scarring um uh, which is bad but removes more skin which is good and it removes skin in two directions it removes skin in the side the side direction as well as the up and down direction that's why you end up with an inverted t-shaped scar 
but it is quite a big scar it goes straight down the middle your belly button in the middle of it all and so you know you might say oh i don't really want to show my tummy in public but you know if you did show your tummy in public it would look like you had sort of major stomach surgery because there'd be a scar goes straight down the middle so a the, 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 the different types of tummy tuck you start with a mini tummy tuck where you don't really do anything above the belly button but then you go up to a full tummy tuck which is basically just one scar in the in the bikini line and one just circular scar around the belly button and that does tighten the skin above the belly button so that does uh, uh if you've got loose skin above your belly button a normal full abdominoplasty will tighten that skin above the belly button it's uh, flirtly really comes into it when you've got side to side directions um uh, laxity and that's when a flirt lee comes in and the other thing you can think about is a circumferential if you've got an awful lot of uh, redundant skin really people have had massive weight loss a circumferential tummy tuck which goes all the way around the back and that is quite a big deal um so uh, but definitely you can get a good result with tightening the skin above the belly button without a flirt lee i don't know if you've chosen so this is moving is it moving i'm going more to the side every time um definitely can get it without a flirt lee yeah i don't know what but um, anyway, that's the problem with this stuff, you know. It's all surgical surgeons' opinions. I don't know if some surgeons said that you have to have a oh, maybe you are a good candidate for a flirtily, but everyone's got their opinions. And just, you know what? I think finding the right surgeon is more important than worrying about the actual operation. People these days get so much into the operations and the implants and this and that. Um, you know, just surgeons are more important than thinking, oh, should I have a flirtily or a full? I'd be like, just get the surgeon that you trust who shows you results that look acceptable to you and maybe speak to previous patients and stuff like that that's my advice about this sort of thing i wouldn't get into it too much about the nuances of it all um but yeah joanna thank you thank you you're very welcome thank you no thank you um so what we've got now we've got a question here which is synmastia synmastia correction uh how uh, uh has asked about synmastia if the above correction has been before the patient currently has moderate plus profile subglandular implants Okay, so synmastia is uh, a web between the breasts, and it's you, and it's caused if your implants are too big, or if you um, if you over dissect the pocket. And uh, the patient's asking, have we performed the procedure before, and yeah, what's involved? So um, it's difficult to correct synmastia, and I'm very pleased to say I've never had a case of synmastia personally. Uh, because I really massively look at the width of the implant and I won't put implants in that are too wide for the frame. It's just not what we do at the clinic. We don't really go for the really big implants. Um, and so um, I've been very lucky that I've never had a case of synmastia. However, I have seen synmastia and I have treated synmastia from other patients. Uh, and it is a difficult problem to correct. I, I think they were asking how to correct it. Yeah. Um, so there are different ways you can correct it. Probably, I would say the best way to correct it, it would be to go to uh, the different things you can do. These polyurethane implants, what I was going to say is polyurethane implants, probably the best way to correct it because they don't really move and stay where they are. So they're much less likely to, to migrate and form that web between the two breasts. Uh, these implants are subglandular, so they're on top of the muscle. If you went underneath the muscle, that would give you a bit of a, um, a barrier to stop that pocket forming across the, the way because you don't want that pocket to, to join. So going under the muscle is one option. Another option is to use things like dermal matrices um, where you can get this stuff, which is like a, a sheet of, um, of, of, of material, which which you can put over the implant to close down the pockets. Because basically you've got one big pocket, you know, uniboob, they call it. And so you need to close it down. 
So you can use this uh, ADM, it's called, it's like a dermal matrix, <clears throat> a cell, acellular dermal matrix, and you can put it in to sort of close down and use it as hammocks to keep the implants apart so they don't sort of cross the midline. Very expensive, <clears throat> quite big operation. All of it is difficult and you're much better off avoiding it in the first place, but that doesn't help this person who I'm assuming has got it. Um, but it's a difficult problem to treat, uh, but there are things that you can do to treat it. None of them particularly easy. I hate to say, don't want to be too negative, but it is a difficult problem to treat, unfortunately, synmastia. Uh, if someone has a tummy tuck with liposuction, what areas can liposuction be performed on? Do we do liposuction on the flanks? Yeah, I mean, usually that's the main areas, the flanks and the hips. Um, oh, I'm trying to get a DVT, so I'm going to start moving around. Right. right, so um, it's... Um, <laughs> These bits here, uh, these bits here. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't got any, you know, any fullness there. But this is the bit where you get liposuction. If you're doing liposuction for a tummy tuck, it's the it's the it's the flanks. Um, the flanks are sort of back here, and the hips are sort of here. So it's it's this area. Not sure if I should have demonstrated that live, but anyway, that's the areas that usually that we would treat with the time of the tummy tuck. Um, the main area that I think a lot of people worry about is the upper abdomen, a bit above the belly button. Personally, I don't do that, and I think a lot of surgeons don't do liposuction to the upper abdomen at the time of a lipos at the time of a tummy tuck, because that's where all the blood supply is coming from—that skin flap that's being pulled down—and so you worry about that. So don't do liposuction to those areas. Having said that, that area is stretched because you're pulling the skin down from the, the skin from the, the breastbone to the belly button gets pulled down all the way, so it does get stretched, so it does contour that area. I wouldn't do tummy tuck to those areas. It's usually the hips and the flanks where the liposuction is performed at the time of a tummy tuck. Um, oh, yeah, 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 la, la, la. Is anyone still there? <laughs> okay. Oh, it's a movie. Have an intro. Proper, you know, cast. You know, I could do, I could have people on this, you know. I've got the facility to have split screen with people on this. It's something I can aspire to. Um, make it a bit less dry. Is this a bit dry? Is it just me? Maybe I should have been doing too long. Anyway, let's see how we get on. Um, what area recovery time after minor up? Right, what's that question? The recovery time for are people okay to go back to work the following day? Can they drive? Yeah, yeah, should be all right. Um, so minor up is basically the stuff we do at the clinics local anesthetic, injection somewhere, and then you have the surgery. And then you normally we normally say, Look, sit down, have a cup of tea. Um, pull yourself together because sometimes it can be a little bit uncomfortable and it can be quite stressful having a minor op um, you know the definition of a minor op is one that's not happening to you you know it is quite stressful it doesn't matter how small the surgery is it is quite a big thing for people I accept that um, so um, so I think um, you know sit and have a cup of tea but you can and it's always nice to bring someone to the clinic you know and to try to be driven home is nice um to to you know to have someone to sort of look after you but um you should be able to go home back to work the following day um that should be fine now if you're in a dusty environment then let us know because if you've got stitches on your face or something we can give you some tape to cover it up if you're in you know if you're, if you're potentially going to get contaminated um, but it should be fine physically to go back to work you want to avoid bending stooping lifting so maybe light duties again if you're doing physical work um you should avoid doing anything too heavy and too physical for the first week um but yeah that's usually the recovery is relatively 
so quick after minor off, but you've got to be aware you have stitches in your face. So if you're going to work and seeing customers or seeing clients, it might look a bit weird that you've got you know stitches in your face. So again, we can give you some tape to cover it up, but again, that might look a bit weird, so something to consider. But you should physically be medically able to go back to work the next day. Removing scars, good one. This is this is a patient. So the question here, what is the procedure? Does it have a high success rate? What scars are suitable for excising? Do they need to be a certain size, shape, or texture? Um, this is the question. I know this one. This is a I know not that I didn't know the others. Um, this is from a patient who has uh, been assaulted and has got a deep, uh, deep scar, uh, sort of um, puckered-in sort of deep scar. Really, uh, scar excision or scar revision is tricky. People think it's easy, and plastic surgeons should be able to fix it and not leave a scar. It's really tricky because all we do is give you another scar. Just got to hope the scar's better than the old scar. So when everyone says, "Can you make this scar better?" the question is always, "What's the problem with the scar? Why don't you like the scar? What what is it?" You know, and if you just say, "Well, it's a scar, isn't it?" You know, I don't want a scar. Like, well, you're gonna have a scar. You know, what? How would you like my scar to be compared to the scar you've got? Um, because I can't not I can't get rid of your scar. I can give you another scar, and if you know we talk about it i can trade it in for a better one hopefully so uh this particular patient has got quite a deeply uh, uh deep scar and so it would be possible to excise it and, and resuture and try and get some tissue underneath to make it slightly less deep in my experience it's never as good as you hope it's going to be and there's always a risk it's going to be get pulled down again and it might look similar to how it looked beforehand um one of the other problems is that this scar is associated with a traumatic event and you know, you're never going to remove that. You know, even if you make the scar a little bit better, that's still going to be associated with a traumatic event. There's still going to be a scar in that area. So it is difficult to. So what? What is the question? What scars are suitable for excising? Um, as I say, red lumpy scars. You usually leave them to set settle them down. You can think of things like silicone and uh, and steel injection. You wouldn't excise them for a last resort. So really, I think the ones that are, the, the things about scarring are if they're if they're dented in, you can try and revise them because um, you can try and get some tissue over the top and make them a bit better. But it is a bit like that. I'm afraid there'll still be a scar and it might still be a little bit dented in. If they're in the wrong position, when we're making a, when we're cutting a scar on the face, we're cutting a mole out on the face, we put the scar in the lines of skin tension. I can't show you because I haven't got any wrinkles because I did have wrinkles. You see wrinkles? I don't know, I can't see the screen. But anyway, the wrinkles, there's certain lines. They sort of radiate here, they go up here, they go along here, uh, they come out the crow's feet. There's certain lines straight down along here where you would try and hide a scar under here, hide it here, the nasolabia and the folds. So we try and hide the scars in areas of, of, of where natural wrinkles will occur. We try and... Um, <laughs> that we try and we try and hide them in areas where there's a sort of concavity to a convexity you know around the nose uh, but if you have a traumatic scar and it's in the wrong line then we can try and break it up and put some portions of it in the right line we do what's called z plasties so if your scar sort of going across your forehead we can try and do z plasties to make some of it go in this horizontal portion there'll still be some in the wrong line but it will break it up this particular scar is going straight up from here so it's limited as to what we can do it's in a pretty good orientation straight up from from there so um can't really do much about that rachel i respect you and i salute you for still being here what are you still doing here you've got nothing better to do on your tuesday night but you are here and you just put a, a comment in here neurosil cream question mark uh i don't know, i don't know if you've been drinking i don't know what that is 
What is Neurosil cream, Rachel? Is that a question? Um, no, sorry, Rachel, I've never heard of it. I'm gonna Google it now and find that it's like really popular, really, you know, everyone's heard of it, cream. Has anyone else heard of Neurosil cream out there? Sorry, Neurosil cream? Sorry, Rachel, can I Google that and maybe answer that question next week if that is a question? <laughs> Thank you. Um, sorry, but yeah, sounds good. To be honest with you, when it comes to creams, for me, it's more the massage than the actual cream itself. I don't, I don't know if, so if it's like for a scar thing or the ski, the ski GP. Is it some kind of steroid? Is it? Is it a steroid cream? Is that what it is? Um, so yeah, if it's a steroid, then that's good. Neurosil cream. Is this is this appropriate to do this live? Yeah, it is. Silicone. There you go. Silicone. It's a silicone and vitamin E. There you go. Neurosil. Thank you, Rachel. It's new, is it? Uh, probably has been drinking. You must know. <laughs> yeah, slander. Want to slander? Uh, it's new. There you go, people. I don't know if you've heard of the new Neurosil cream available by your local GP, um, but it's a silicone cream. So yeah, silicone. Silicone is good for scars, and we got some stuff at the clinic which I don't know the name of, which is called. Is it Silderm? I can't remember. We've got some stuff at the clinic, um, which is similar sort of thing. But basically, yes, silicone is, is good for scars, really good for raised, lumpy scars. For normal scars, I think often moisturizing and massage is good. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad we sorted that one out. Right. There, there. Um, right. What we got? Listen, guys, I'm on my last question. So please get in there quick with you. Any Neurosil related questions or any other um, any other questions? Have I missed anything? I'm going to check how I missed it. So, oh God, I have missed Tracy. I've missed you. Oh my Lord. Should I, I'm going to do Tracy now. What's this? That's the fluid I've done that. Tracy, sorry. Good to hear. God dear, look at this. I need, I need a man manning the comments. That's what I need. I need to get some staff in here. So we get a man to man the comments. And then I focus on the quality content so I can give you all my content. Yeah. So that's 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 um that's a pipe dream of mine. So I think that's the only one missed. So where, where we go? So Tracy, sorry about that. Good to hear your view. I can't, sorry, the comment was so long ago. I can't remember what my view of, but thank you for that. Um, my thoughts also had the 3D nipple tattoo and looked great, but then had further surgery, so it all disappeared. So I'll probably just go for the tattoo again. Yeah, once the new implants have been done, fingers crossed for B lights. Yeah, Tracy. So yeah, good. Good. Uh, yeah, the the, uh, the problem with all tattoos is they do tend to fade, so you often have to have them redone. So it might be that the tattoo faded because they do fade, and you have to have them topped up. But yeah, fingers crossed there'll be lights. As I say to, uh, to you, Tracy, got a couple of meetings coming out. I think I think it's next week. I think the week after it's in uh, uh, um, Belgium, and then and the fourth is in London, fourth of October, which I don't know when that is, a couple of weeks. So yeah, I'll talk about the bee lights. I'll, I'll ask them about the bee lights because I know you're keen on them and the hospital's been a bit funny about them. Um, so yeah, brilliant. Here we go. Should I bring photos to my consultation? Is it good idea to bring photos to consultation? Photos of what the patient's expectations are for stroke after surgery? In my view, yes, it is. And I encourage that. And I think it's good to get an idea because you know what? Everyone, well, not everyone, but a lot of people say they want a natural result. And a natural result is different for different people. You show some people a natural result and they'll say, well, that looks droopy. That doesn't look very good. It looks all droopy. I'm like, well, that's what natural breasts look like. So sometimes people want, well, 
describe a natural result differently to another person. So it's always good to show photos. Um, it is all part of just, oh, Susan, excellent. Um, it is all part of the process. You can never guarantee it. So it's always a bit difficult if, you know, a 45-year-old woman who's had three children brings a photo of an 18-year-old model. You know, it's like you've got to think who, you know, and the, and the, and the, the older person or someone who's much bigger brings a photo of someone who's very slim and different body shapes. So you've got to be a bit careful with like, oh, I want to look like this person who's some, you know, bikini model or something. But it is a good idea to get an idea of what sort of breast shape you're after as a ballpark. So it's not like I'm going to make you look like that person. Or I'm going to make you look like that sort of celebrity or famous person or something like that. You're going to still look like you and you can still have your body and your body shape. But just specifically talking about the breast shape, it can help when looking at different shapes of implants and sizes of implants to get an idea. So I do encourage it. I do think it's good to bring in photos, um, but don't be like, I want to look like, you know, that person. It's like, well, you know, it's just to help. It's part of the process to help to choose implants. Um, Sue is a late cover. And Sue, you are very, very welcome here. And it's lovely to see you here. And I love the fact that you've come in with a question. Tummy tap, but my, but with Mr. Butt. I've had, I've had a, I had tummy tap with Mr. Butt. I'm still, is that the name of the surgeon, Mr. Butt? I'm still really flabby. Me too, Sue, loose skin. Simone, did you have Mr. Butt as well? Sue, um, anyway, Miss, but I'm still really flabby above my belly button. Any advice? Yes, Sue. Sue, was it a full tummy tuck or a mini tummy tuck? I.e., was there a scar around the belly button? So if there wasn't a scar around the belly button, you can't really do anything. Okay, Rachel, uh, muscle repair. Simone says muscle repair as well. Everyone's saying muscle repair. Yeah, let's all say muscle repair. Um, why is it muscle repair? Um, um, okay, so if you had muscle repair, um, then they they knew they would have gone above the belly button. It wouldn't. You can't redo muscle repair with a mini. You can. You, know, you can float the belly button. But um, I'm I'm expect I'm suspecting you had a full tummy tuck, Sue, because if you had a mini tummy tuck where they didn't make a scar around the belly button, they can't redo anything above oh not mr butt oh is that muscle repair mr oh, my. <laughs> oh god am i an amateur here guys sorry is it does everyone know that mr is um muscle repair no what's going on oh man is mr an accepted abbreviation of muscle? someone help me here mr is not an acceptable abbreviation for muscle repair is it it's not mr <laughs> right okay full anyway let's bring it back come on people let's bring it back it's late and it's all gone a bit out of hand so right full thank you sue it's a full it's a full it's not mr butt right so good so if it wasn't a full that would have answered it right yes you do well i think it's just you steph all right it's just you and Sandra and Rachel and Sue. Okay, so quite a few people. Well, I don't know. I didn't know. No one told me MR's muscle repair. Anyway, so Mr. Butt did this tummy tuck and still feel uh, flabby. So 
it is Gwen said with a tummy tuck. All right, Sandra, thank you. It is, I didn't know it is. <laughs> it's not something that I'm familiar with. So I know now, master repair, good, good. So that is, the, so advice, difficult. Uh, so if you've lost a lot of weight, um, sometimes you, when you, when you lose, when you, the reason you need a tummy tuck is when you lose weight and have children. And that's the, and the 500 plus people on our surgery. All right, Steph, well done, you and your 500. All right, I didn't know. It's not acceptable in the rest of the world, Steph, all right? Because I've got to tell you, it's not acceptable to the, everyone else. We don't all know the MR. MR is Mr. in the rest of the world, not muscle repair. MR, you ask the man on the street, MR is Mr. Um, anyway, um, so sorry about that. I didn't know what MR was. Uh, we'll just forget that. Just edit that out, okay? We'll edit that out later on. So when you have a put on weight or lose weight or have children and stretch the skin, the, the fullness is all, always, pretty much always, predominantly lower abdomen, predominantly belly button down. So that's where the fullness is. And so the um, tummy tuck is really good at the lower bit uh, of the tummy because that's where the excess, if you look at a, a side view and a bleak view of someone who needs a tummy tuck, the fullness is always belly button down. That's where most of the skin is. Now, when you do the tummy tuck, you remove all the skin from the belly button down to the pubic area, and the skin from the belly button up gets pulled down. And that usually tightens that skin up there. As I said, I don't usually do any liposuction there, but you don't normally need to have liposuction there. Occasionally, um, people do have excess skin in the upper abdomen, like you're describing. You're saying you've had a tummy tuck, and it still feels very flabby, flabby above the belly button. Um, it, it, occasionally, that does happen. And if you have flabbiness in there, it's a bit more difficult to treat. And there's two options, really. Number one option is a reverse tummy tuck. I don't know if you've heard of that. Uh, a reverse tummy tuck is basically the same as a tummy tuck, but it's at the top. So the, the, it's like what's called a rooftop incision. So it goes underneath your breasts, up to your sternum, and you pull the skin up. So you do the same as what you do under the tummy tuck. You pull the skin up. You have to wait a good long time after your tummy tuck because you have to make that skin to survive because you presumably you've already had it well you have had a tummy tuck um so you've got to wait you know at least a year after your tummy tuck before you even consider doing a reverse tummy tuck um, but that would if you had a lot of loose skin and to be honest with you the only people who really need a reverse tummy tuck people who have massive weight loss it's not a very common procedure um, most people don't need it probably the other option the better way of doing it it would be do, to do some liposuction as i said always i always say about liposuction the skin doesn't recoil quite so well but it would take away some of the heaviness, some of the some of the fat from that area. You could consider some of the assisted forms of liposuction, like vaser liposuction or the laser liposuctions, or some of those things we talked about earlier, the non-surgical liposuctions um, to try and which they do say they cause a bit of skin retraction. Again, the results are subtle, but that could be something that you could think about to try and tighten that skin in that area. Um, it depends on how bad the, the problem is. If it's a real big, um, uh, if it's a real big fold of skin then it will be a reverse tummy tuck. I've got to tell you, Rachel, not many people are candidates for a reverse tummy tuck, but if there is a big fold of skin, then it is an option. It's not a great scar, because I say it goes underneath your breast um, in the same sort of place where you, the horizontal scar for breast reduction is, um, joins in the middle. Um, yeah, it is a thing, but it's not a common one, Rachel. It's, um, it's a pretty uncommon thing. Uh, I would say probably more common would be doing a bit of liposuction to try and take some of the heaviness out of the upper abdomen. Um, it wouldn't necessarily do too much to the flabby skin. And the thing you're complaining about more is the flabby skin rather than the fullness, it sounds like. 
um, with the sort of, uh, and sometimes that's because the skin's lost its elasticity because it's been stretched by whatever the children or the or the weight, um, and so it's it's hard to give it back that elasticity, and so that's when the skin excision operations come in. So Sue uh, and your MR, that was a nice question at the end there. Um, thank you for that. Thank you for letting me know that MR is muscle repair. Um, and uh, so Rachel, you didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know MR was a thing. So there you go. We both learned something there tonight. Steph's had lipo, wasn't happy with the results. Well, I'll tell you what, Steph, that's why I um, am very careful about lipo, particularly to the tummy. Because a lot of people think, oh, I win the lottery, I'll have lipo. They think they see lipo as being a panacea for everything. Let's have lipo and it's going to be every, you know, it's going to be great. But um, you've got to be careful because you've got to tell people what it can do. And basically it can do the same thing as what weight loss can do, really. Um, and what lipo is really good for resistant areas of fat in certain areas, stuff like that, that as I say, the flanks, the hips, uh, the male chest is good for gynecomastia. Um, but other areas where the skin's thinner, the inner thighs, the tummy, it's not quite so good. Um, um, so yeah, wasn't, yeah, wasn't, yeah. So that's, that is a problem step with the lipo. So what? she had lipo. Oh, you haven't, I haven't had lipo. Our friend had lipo. <laughs> okay. Wasn't happy with the results and now wants to reverse tummy tuck. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay, well, I think, yeah, I think it's not unreasonable to do the lipo first. But, uh, yeah, well, if she wants to reverse tummy tuck, tell her then, yeah, then weigh up the pros and cons. And if she's okay with a big scar, then go for it. Sandra, thank you. That's kind. Very helpful session, Sandra. Thank you for that. I'm pleased you're saying that. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I've been surprised at the questions I've had tonight and interaction that actually people are here. I mean, obviously, they're always here, but, you know, it is nice to know that I'm not on my own. Um, so, yeah, thank you. I'll tell her where to come. Yeah, she's around here, um, Rachel, definitely. I'm um, available for hire. Um, <laughs> contact me. I should have a contact me, shouldn't I? Um, but, yeah, but anyway, or, or a local plastic surgeon, I'm sure will be able to help. Um, Rachel and Steph, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Sue and your MR. Uh, less of the abbreviations trying to catch me out. Okay, less of that, please. Um, but no, thank you, Sue. And yeah, is that, I mean, it's getting late. It's late, isn't it, guys? That's been a, I'd say that's the best one so far. That was in my book. I don't know. I have to look back at the figures, but that's been really good. Um, I'm happy to ask any questions if there's any others. I think I'm out. I'm out of questions. I'm out for my sealed bids. I've all, we've all been used. So um, with, that, with, that, with that in mind, I'm going to check out. And I'm going to say thank you all for visiting tonight. And I'll see you next week, 7 o'clock here or there or somewhere, but 7 o'clock next week. Any questions, get on the online chat, which a lot of these came in on, or post them on Facebook or email me. Uh, info at stanoplasticsurgery.co.uk and I will answer them next week but that has been amazing and I don't know if we can top that but thank you all for that that was excellent so I'm going to check out good night have a good evening and I will see you next week check out have a question not covered in today's show then send it over 
to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.